My name is Diego, and I am joined by my co-host, Gage. Hello. So, so this is basically going to be just a kind of a podcast of us two homies talking about music, talking memes, talking bullshit, kind of just going to see where it goes. Yeah. So, I guess, um, I don't know, should we just go with one of the topics we have picked? Uh, yeah, sure. All right, all right. So, you and I are both metal lovers, as, well, if anybody that knows us is listening, they know that we love metal, so. Gage, what yeah. is the band that got you into metal? Oh, dude, I was so young, I don't even know. <laughs> um, let me see. Probably either Rammstein, Megadeth, or Metallica. Because those were my mom's big bands when I was growing up. Dope. Yeah. Like, did you... Like, just hear them because your mom had them playing all the time? Or did you, like, actively, like, just kind of accidentally find them? Or Um, you see, I was, like, two and three <laughs> when I found them. So, <laughs> it was definitely my mom playing them, for sure. She was, she and my dad both loved metal, but I was always with my mom because dad was always at work, so. For sure. Yeah. All right. For me, it would have to be probably um, either Metallica or Avenged Sevenfold. Word. But I guess even going further back, like a band that got me into like hard rock that kind of led into metal was ACDC. Mm. Yeah. That's probably for sure. Because I was, it was just after the second Iron Man movie came out. Mm-hmm. And I went and saw it in theaters, and then I was at Walmart, and they had the Iron Man 2 CD, which was, like, a compilation of, like, it was basically kind of, like, ACDC's greatest hits. And I bought it, and, yeah, I played that thing to death. And then, you know, after listening to ACDC for so long, I then, in middle school, like, 8th grade, I discovered Event Sevenfold. And then, yeah, Metallica. And then after that, I was just, you know, got really heavy into it. Yeah, I feel you. My mom kind of just threw me straight into the water with the whole Megadeth and Metallica thing. And uh, before I even hit middle school, in like fourth grade, I found this band called Machine Head. Because mm-hmm. my little brother and I loved the game Halo. So we were just looking up Halo music video. And we found Halo, the video game, accompanied with Halo by Machine Head. So ah, that, yes, gotcha. That got me really into the really hard stuff. And then by like 7th or 8th grade, I was listening to this like progressive death metal band called Decreation. Never I, heard of them. Yeah, <laughs> barely anybody has, but uh, I I don't mean to sound like one of those. Before they were cool people, they don't they aren't even a band anymore. They don't exist. <laughs> um, I was listening to them, and then this other band that was more like industrial death metal. I guess that's the best way I can put it. It was a industrial death metal band called Cybreed. They were like super, like technological with their music. It it sounded pretty cool. It was like a mix of some dubstep sort of sounding sound effects, but it sounded metal. Hmm. Would you say that you got into more extreme metal early on, or did you kind of like stay? in kind of more neutral zone, like, say, Metallica, because, you know, back in the day, Metallica mm-hmm. was pretty much as heavy as heavy could be. You had, like, Metallica and Slayer and, you know, Exodus and stuff like that in the 80s. And then, you know, the 90s came and you had, like, Napalm Death and some of the heavier bands came to form. And But would you say that you kind of stayed more into the calm side of metal, so, like, Metallica, the Megadeth? Because in terms of metal today, 
they're pretty calm with what's out there. You know, there's a lot of really hardcore stuff out there today. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think I haven't really left the quote unquote calm metal, but I definitely started liking more and more extreme metals. Like I listened to Fallujah and Archspire, some pretty, some very technical death metal bands, very on the extreme side of things. But I still like to listen to Iron Maiden sometimes, Megadeth, Metallica, all of them. For sure. See, for me, it was kind of a longer process because I was into metal, but like I was very, I stayed kind of with the gateway bands. It was Metallica (laughs) and Event Sevenfold and and then kind of just by going on YouTube, you know, other bands would pop into my recommendations and like Slipknot, I found Slipknot just before, I think going into high school, you know, mm-hmm. I discovered, I think, I think they had just released the great chapter. I think I could be wrong. Uh, maybe, maybe I can pull it up real yeah. quick. Yeah. yeah. Jamie, pull it up real quick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Slipknot. Not discography. Yeah, so... 2014, so I was 15 and you were 14. So, so. yeah, so I was ju- I was a freshman. Yeah, so I was a freshman when the Grey Chapter came out. And I'd kind of become a little more into metal. And then I f- think I found the music video for The Devil and I. And I watched it. And I've, like, heard, like, other... <laughs> I heard I had heard earlier albums. I heard like um like Psychosocial and um Before I Forget. So I had kind of heard so but then, you know, so I heard Slipknot and I got really into it. And I clearly remember like that's my freshman years when I got more into metal. I binge listened to all the Metallica albums in order. And then um yeah, then hanging out with you, that's when I really started to get more into metal. You started to show yeah. me all these. You started show me all these bands that I've never heard of, like Megadeth and Pantera, and mm-hmm. you got me. And then you know, Iron Maiden. You show me them, and yes, sir. So yeah, that was kind of my. You're kind of like my tour guide to the metal world, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I just kind of grew up with it. Funny enough, yeah, I didn't really grow up with it a whole lot. I the first, uh, the first and, actual metal song I can remember, like plainly hearing, was um, it was it's probably Interstand Man. Let's be it, honest, it, it was. I think, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, my, on a on a road trip to California, my aunt had an iPod and it had a. You know, just enter. Had, you had enter Sandman of Wolf and Man and The Unforgiven, and I listened to those mm-hmm. songs and I thought they were pretty cool. And then that same trip, we got a new car, and that car, like the previous owners, had left their CDs in it. Oh wow! And um, it was like some mixtapes, and that's when I actually heard some metal without even knowing like who they were. So like, um, thinking back on it, um. There was Master of Puppets on it. Oh, yes. A classic. Um, there was Ace is High by Iron Maiden. Mm-hmm. It, was, it, was a, it was the live version with uh, Winston Churchill's intro. And I thought it was right. like the coolest thing ever as a little kid. Oh, yeah. For sure. And then uh, they had One by Metallica. Um, the Unforgiven. And I want to say it had... I can't remember what else was on it, but it had, like, a good, and, like, obviously, like, I listened to the songs, but I was little, so I really didn't, you know, know that, like, I just thought it was cool music, but it wasn't until, like, middle school when I got into it. I'm like, yeah, this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're a huge history buff, right? Yeah, yeah, fairly so, I'd say. Would you say, <laughs> very modest, would you say that uh, 
Iron Maiden kind of got you into history? Um, yes and no, because, like, as a little kid, I, I grew up, um, like, playing with, like, army toys, like, little plastic soldiers, mm-hmm. and so, and then I, you know, started watching, like, war movies when I was, like, way too young to be watching them. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, watching TV shows when I was little and had, had a couple movies that I'd watch, and I'm like, this is really interesting. And um, I think the first war, like, like, in terms of history that I ever got into was the Civil War. Right. I grew up and I had a couple movies about it, and I watched them religiously. And as I got older, I started, like, reading more about it, and then I kind of got into history really full-blown. I read, I read a lot of books, I watched a lot of movies, and it's became passionate because I think it's really interesting to read a lot of the stories about what happened because the fact that it's true and the fact that it did happen is amazing, you know? Like, these aren't made-up things, like, they actually did happen. And yeah. so when it came to bands like Iron Maiden that had, like, bits of history in them. Mm-hmm. And um, it was pretty cool. And then later on with, like, uh, bands like Sabaton, which, I mean, that's, like, a band made in heaven for me. You know, the combination oh, of yeah. history and metal. It's The lead singer that wants to be a tank. Exactly. It's perfect. <laughs> so I think it's really good. But, yeah, I'd say that Iron Maiden definitely had a bit of an influence on it for sure. Mm-hmm. For surely. All right. Um. So when it came to metal music and stuff, um, like growing up or um, I just kind of as like you're got more into metal, you know, in your teenage years. What would mm-hmm. you say was your like favorite band? Like the one you listen to religiously, like every day. The one you defend to the end. Uh, I'd probably honestly say between Iron Maiden and Megadeth. Sure. Those two were huge. I loved those bands. Right, Megadeth. So. Yeah, Megadeth was actually my first metal concert, so that was amazing. I see, were... and Iron Maiden was mine, so it's you know mm-hmm. fitting. Yeah, they were there with uh, Amon Amarth, Suicidal Tendencies, um, Metal Church, which was a really old thrash metal band that kind of nobody ever listens to anymore uh which is unfortunate because they've got amazing songs and butcher babies who i'm really not a fan of just not my type of music to be honest i just don't vibe with it for sure not necessarily bad i just i just don't like it yeah um See, when it came to your favorite bands like Iron Maiden and um, Metallic, I mean Megadeth, what mm-hmm. was like? What drew you to them? Like, what was what made them your favorite at that time? Like, uh, Iron Maiden, they just were super melodic. They had really good guitar melodies. The bassist was going just ham, and uh, the singing, the vocals were just top notch. Like, anyone who listens to metal, they will say that Bruce Dickinson has an amazing voice. Yeah. I'd have to say, uh, that's the same for me as Maiden was, you know, just everything about them was great, you know. The songs were epic, you know. It made you, mm -hmm. like, it's empowering, you know, the melodies. It took you on a journey. It did. It really did. And it still does, listening to it. It's like, they're one of those bands that just... You know, they're unique. Mm-hmm. And, like, no other band has, like, ever come close to replicating it. Yeah, they have a whole Iron Maiden universe made for them. Yeah. And that's another thing with Megadeth. They kind of had the same thing going. Not to the same extent, but uh, Vic Rattlehead, the big mascot of theirs, he was... uh they made a lot of different artwork of him and made different stories. I'm pretty sure they made a whole comic about him. I think, I think so. I think so. Yeah. Sounds yeah. He right. became a huge character, but uh, 
Anyways, for Megadeth, what drew me to them was they were just fast and they had killer riffs. Like yeah. I didn't, I didn't really care too much for the vocals. I I enjoyed them. A lot of people don't, but I enjoyed the vocals. But it was just Dave Mustaine's blistering riffs, like even the non blistering ones like symphony of destruction that one's that one's just a killer riff you know it's yeah simple yeah it's a whole anthem all by itself and then you also have like hangar 18 which is an absolute mm. shred fest yes. and then the harmony with him and marty mm-hmm. and then uh tornado of souls marty friedman's guitar solo on that mm-hmm. that's why yeah. marty is Marty's solos were just so epic, and that's why he's one of my favorite guitarists of all time. He's just something else. He doesn't go too shreddy, but he definitely shreds the shit out of the guitar. <laughs> yeah. Remember, like, growing up, like, um, listening to guitars. Like, my first guitar heroes, I'd say, were definitely um, Angus and Malcolm Young from ACDC. Mm-hmm. Because that's you know the first kind of hard rock band I grew up into, but I just the, the chemistry that those guys had, and like as a kid, it's like, you know, this is really cool music. But looking, you know, now that I'm older and you know have more musical experience, knowledge, looking back, it's like mm-hmm. the chemistry that those two guys had. I mean, being brothers, I mean, yeah, and that, and I mean, it's nuts. It's the way that they were able to just to lock into these grooves and these rhythms and the riffs weren't that complicated being, you know, hard rock. They weren't that extreme. They were pretty simple, yeah. hard rock riffs, but, but they were catchy. They were catchy. They were, they were good. They were yeah. well-written yeah, exactly. for the music they wanted to play. Yeah. They're simple, but they're catchy. And like, mm-hmm. You know, Malcolm, especially his rhythm playing, like he's for sure one of my favorite rhythm players ever. Because, right. you know, he doesn't play fast. You know, it's, he's not like a Hetfield who can down pick at a million miles an hour, you know. <laughs> yeah. But what he did when he was alive, you know, rest in peace, Malcolm, um, is he was the grooves, you know, Angus would be shredding. But in the background, in the pocket, was Malcolm, and it was just, it's amazing. And then, um, getting older, you know, with Hetfield and, you know, Dave Murray from Maiden, and, you know, Dimebag Daryl, what he did as a lead player and as a rhythm player, you know, mm-hmm. you know, guitar heroes, you know. Yeah. And that's another thing I wanted to talk about with Dimebag Daryl. He... He is severely underrated as a rhythm guitar player. He Everyone's is. talking about how amazing and unique his solos were, which they're not wrong, but think of those just amazing riffs, you know? Yeah. Like uh, Mouth for War. Who who else would think about that? Or Goddamn Electric, the super heavy da-da-da-da-da-da-da, you know? It's... He just wrote amazing riffs. Mm-hmm. Well, like the breakdown and domination, which is like one oh, of the, yeah. one of the heaviest, you know, fucking breakdowns it's, ever. It's just one power chord, and you just break your neck to it. Yeah, and so you know, so his, you know, being one guitar player, you know, he had to do both parts, and he did it. He did it very well. Yeah, that he did. Um, I remember the first time you showed me Pantera. It was like in you know chilling in the band room, and you showed me like songs like Walk and uh, Domination and Heresy. You showed me those, and yeah, you know stuff like that. You know, and it's I knew been... I definitely showed you their uh, first Phil, no, their second Phil Anselmo record because everyone keeps forgetting they had a hair metal phase. Yeah, power uh, metal. I, I <laughs> I almost forgot myself right there. I slipped up a little bit. (laughs) What what was it called? Uh, Metal Magic? Metal Magic was their first uh, album. That's right, yeah. Yeah. 
I remember, you know, getting to metal a lot because of you, and honestly, mm-hmm. yeah, hanging out in the band room, and you showed me all kinds of music that, like, I don't think I would have found on my own. Right. Because, you, you know, I can be like, you know, show me Machine Head and Gojira. Um, <laughs> you know, you showed me, guys, yeah, there's a bunch you showed me, and it's pretty cool. And, you know, and now it's awesome because we have, like, this friendship where, you know, we go, hey, check out this band. And it's like, dude, this band's awesome. Go check out this band. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. We've been friends since, like, my eighth grade year, year seventh grade year. So, like, Mm -hmm. let's see. I think it's about eight years. About eight years because, yeah, I was, like, 12. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm I'm 20 (laughs) now, so. Yeah. Maybe, like, a little more than... No, definitely just eight years. Yeah. When it comes to um, metal and, like, just kind of music in general, what would you say are, like... It's kind of, like, hard to pick the tops. Like, what are, like, the top five albums that, like, made a huge impact on you? And it can be, like, old. It can be stuff that's come out, you know, years ago. It can be stuff that came out recently, you know. Yeah, for sure. Oh man, this is a difficult question. It um, is. It is. It's a loaded question. Um, and Justice for All is definitely one of them because that album, even even <laughs> though it was produced poorly, cough cough, Lars mixing the bass. Um, <laughs> um, it really got me more melodically thinking with my riffs whenever I write because songs like and justice for all or uh, blackened those riffs definitely yes. have a, have a very melodic presence to them, but they're still mm-hmm. like really heavy. So that definitely influenced me as a musician. So that's one of them. Another one. Um, let's see. I've honestly got to say, the Black Album by Metallica. I know everybody yeah. says it, everybody hates on it, everybody loves it, blah, blah, blah. But that was when I was doing searching on my own for music. I mm-hmm. was like, hey, Mom, I noticed that there's like a whole bunch more songs to this album. Can I listen to them? She was like, I don't know. They're kind of like stark and sad. I'm like, I don't care. I just want to <laughs> listen to them. And I really liked them. Yeah, it's it's a great album. You know, it gets, mm-hmm. I think it gets a lot of shit from the metal community for being like, you know, that's when Metallica sold out and the songs aren't as heavy as previous albums. And, you know, Bob Rock, you know, kind of turned the band into, a, you know, a different thing. But it's a great album. Yeah. You know, it's it's huge. And it kind of took Metallica to a whole nother level. And it's honestly what a lot of people got into metal with. Mm-hmm. Like you listen to Sad but True, you know that that song is really heavy. Mm-hmm. Like even as someone that's had experience with extreme death metal, I still think that song is super heavy. I don't care, but someone that's getting into heavy metal, they're like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. It's like heavy. So, yeah, that's another one. Um, even though it's not my favorite Gojira album, I'd have to say L'Enfant Sauvage because the lyrics on that album really speak to me for, sure. for a lot a lot of those songs. Like uh, the title track, L'Enfant Sauvage, in college, I was like, you know, trying to figure out who I was. And L'Enfant Sauvage was that song that kind of helped me get there. Yeah, and then... Yeah. Uh, Pain is a master, you know that that song is just brutal. And then also the fall, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lyrically, that album, that album matters a lot. To yeah, me. it's a pretty heavy album. You know, it's I definitely say it's one of the weaker Gojira albums, but it's still a good album. Mm-hmm. And the lyric material is very heavy. Yes, incredibly. I think that was when uh, <laughs> they just found out their mother had cancer. I believe. I think so. 
something like that. Uh, it was either like right around that time or a little after, because you know, Magma. That's what that whole album is about. Yeah. And then, so yeah, L'Enfant Sauvage, uh, number three. Number two is probably, hmm, probably Rust in Peace, because that song, same justification as And Justice for All, but it got me even more thinking, and it also got me thinking more about, like, how lead guitar sounds and how it matches up with the chords behind it. Yeah. Because And Justice for All, it it's a great... Uh, some of those songs are great examples of that. Like, uh, this title track, And Justice for All, I hate to be picking title tracks the whole time, but uh, that has a two-part solo where uh, it gets crazier when the uh, riffs get crazier. Mm-hmm. And uh, then there's also Blackened, that one, that solo. Let me try to think. I'm trying to remember. That one, just like Injustice for All, it had two parts to it. There was like a beginning part where the riff wasn't too crazy and the solo wasn't incredibly crazy, and then it just kicks it into overdrive. And yeah. then uh, Dyer's Eve, God, the solos on that song are just insane. But it was mostly... Rest in Peace had that same impact on me, but just a lot deeper. Because, like... Yeah, for sure. Take No Prisoners, it kind of... Marty traded off with the with Dave Mustaine in the solo. He would play Lick, and then Dave Mustaine would say, Take No Prisoners, Take No Shit. And then... Uh, the Tornado of Souls solo... That one, oh man, just insane. Love that solo. So, Rest in Peace by Megadeth. That's definitely my number two pick. And number one, more recently, is uh, What the Dead Men Say by Trivium. Yes. Because I, yes. Uh, Fantastic album. I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was going through it during the pandemic. I had no motivation to do my homework or just to do anything really. And then uh, they announced they had a new song coming out and I was like, I fucking love this. So I just stayed up to date on all of the singles that they were releasing. And yeah, they definitely got me back on the wagon Mm -hmm. and, uh, back into wanting to play guitar and back into actually wanting to be me rather than just some zombie with no feelings. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, my top five and justice for all. Uh, fuck, I can't even remember what the hell I said. Uh, that, <laughs> uh, let's see. And uh, justice for all was number album. five. The black album. Black uh, album, rest in peace. Number five. Number four was uh, Black Album. Number three was L'Enfant Sauvage by Gojira. Number two was Rust in Peace. And number one was What the Dead Men Say by Trivium. Yeah, yeah. Good good yeah. albums, dude. Good choice. And yeah. Have, you know, and it's so hard to pick favorite albums because like it kind of changes, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, good it evolves stuff that we go through and shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely good choices on your part. Mm-hmm. How about you? What are your top five? Um, so I was kind of writing them down as you were going through yours. So mine, <laughs> I have a. So mine's definitely how to say a little bit. Uh, a lot of mine are fairly new albums. Mm-hmm. Because. I wouldn't say like when I first got into metal and kind of in the music in general, um, like as a little kid, I was, you know, 
just kind of listen to music for fun, but it wasn't until I got older where I kind of used music as a therapeutic kind of thing. Yeah, for so, sure. Yeah. So some of the stuff on this list is fairly new because more recently is when I was is when I've experienced, you know, a lot of um like troubles. So anyways. So the first one is uh, the Black Album by Metallica. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the first metal album I really listened to. Um, I think it was like a, you know, first songs I heard was like Enter Sandman of Wolf and Man. That's like, I thought that, you know, when it comes to like, um, of Wolf and Man, I remember the intro, you know, where it's like, bum, 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 yeah. yeah. With super heavy. And like, I could like, picture like all this stuff in my head happening to that and i thought it was like the coolest thing as a kid and then uh you know as i got older and got more into metallica i went through that album and it's just such a powerful album mm-hmm. you know you have songs like the unforgiven which that song hits you know emotionally hard oh yeah and then you have song you know hit. you have tracks like enter salmon and sabbath true and um you know, um, holier than now that are just good anthems. And I think that's kind of when I first got into, like, you know, first started listening to music and metal. It's like, yeah, this shit's pretty good. Like, this is some good stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just, it's a very important album for a lot of people. And, uh, you know, and getting, um, older and getting when I got more into Metallica and reading about it, you know, the Black Album was a pretty special album because it's the tones they got on that album and the sound they got hasn't been able to really been like replicated. Yeah. And I was reading a lot about that and it said that like the band was going through a lot of like heavy dark shit when they were writing that album. And mm-hmm. I, I think it definitely reflects you know, I think the guy, like the guys, were all going like all the guys except for James were going through divorces at the time, right? And like, I kept, isn't this magazine I have? I kept talking about like the energy that was just like, you know, this dark energy. And Bob Rock, I think, has a lot to do with this way the album sounds. It sounds big. It's a big album. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I think it's just important for me because like. For me as a music writer, it's like this is you know what an album like can sound like. This is like a big thing. So yeah, so number mm-hmm. five is definitely the Black Album. Um, number two, this is a recent one, uh, "The Valley" by Whitechapel. I haven't listened to that whole album yet. I, yeah, it's a it's a pretty heavy album, not just musically because it's. You know, Whitechapel, they're a deathcore, metalcore band. They play, you know, using seven-string baritones and really drop low tunings. So it's heavy that way, but the album itself lyrically is, like, it's pretty heavy emotional stuff. Yeah. It talks about the uh, late singer's, like, childhood and his mother, who was, uh, like, schizophrenic and paranoid and, like, had paranoia and had, like, all these, like, like this the opening song when a demon defiles a witch talks about like how his mom had like this demon that like she would see and stuff and mm-hmm. I think like, in the journal she kept she had like twenty seven different personalities oh and yeah and so the whole album goes through and talks about that and his mom's like addiction and her, you know her decaying mental health and her step and his stepdad and how he kind of came in and was like this catalyst for her mom's health getting worse and his life being hell and all these dark thoughts that like him as a kid had and like him as an adult have. And it's this really mm-hmm. emotional, powerful album. And when I first listened to it and I'm like, this is really like nuts. And like it came out last year. Yeah. The beginning of last year. And, like, I just remember it hitting, and, like, this, like, I'm, like, this is definitely an album, like, unlike anything I've heard before. Right. And it, it's pretty good. It's it's one of my favorites that's come out recently, for sure. Mm-hmm. And just lyrically, it's amazing. You have songs like Black Bear, which comes in with, like, this huge slamming groove riff, and The Other Side, which is, like, this fast, thrashy, really powerful one, and 
it's it's an amazing album. It's really cool. So that really impacted me when I first heard it. I'm like, this is some good shit. Right. Um, so that's number four is The Valley by Whitechapel. Number three is Point Five, The Great Chapter by Slipknot. Of course. Yeah. So uh, I remember hearing this album when I was a freshman. And I think it was probably a sophomore, actually, because it came out in 2014. Probably, let me look real quick. Well, it came out in 2014, so it was either at the end of your eighth grade or beginning of your freshman year. October 17th, 2014, so I was a freshman. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're so a freshman. I was into it and stuff, and, but it really wasn't something I listened to a lot until my sophomore and junior year, so like 2015, 2016. Mm-hmm. And that's when I was going through a lot of like really, really, really bad mental health issues. Like I had developed like really, really bad depression and anxiety. Like it was like crippling at some points. Um, yeah, I'm sure you remember me some of those days. Yeah, but uh, I remember. I remember um, just being angry. I was a very angry kid in high school. And I looked for music yeah. that reflected that. And for me, that was like Lamb of God. Like, I got super into Lamb of God mm-hmm. and, um, like, White Chapel. But I remember with The Great Chapter, because The Great Chapter is about, like, mourning and, like, the loss of their bandmate, uh, Paul Gray. And so there's a lot of emotional weight behind that album. And, like, the songs, like, The Devil and I and... Um, AOV approaching original violence, and let me, let me mm-hmm. pull the track listing real quick. There it is. Like, uh, yeah, it sounds like Goodbye, which is a pretty the opening is really clean and stuff, and it's really, you know, kind of somber. And uh, songs like Custer and The Negative One, which are super aggressive, heavy, hard-hitting albums, songs, I mean. And, like, being a, you know, 15, 16-year-old kid in high school, like, those songs, like, hit hard. Because it was what I was feeling, you know? It was angry, Mm -hmm. it was violent. And so I was able to relate to that. And, yeah, the album definitely has a lot of, like, I definitely, like, give the album credit a lot among others for like helping me through what I was going through at the time. Right. And uh, especially the song, the devil and I, like that's probably definitely one of the most like emotionally weighted songs for myself. Yeah. So yeah, definitely that. I can song. see that. Yeah. So uh point five, the great chapter is number three. Um, mm-hmm. Number two is uh, the uh, self-titled album by Ben Sevenfold, the white album. Yeah. Um, the one that I lent you a tab book for and you didn't give it back to me for like almost a year? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We don't talk about that. Don't, hey. don't, don't worry about it. Oh, so, good. I'm just <laughs> um, yeah, so I remember like, I don't, so like, I kind of got into Ben Sevenfold in a few different ways. So one was uh, when I was a kid, they, on MTV, back when they still played music. Um, yeah. Back then, <laughs> unfortunately, I was on TV and it was on, and uh, the music video for "A Little Piece of Heaven" came on. Ah, and, a classic. <laughs> and, yeah, and I remember being like, you know, I was, I was seven because the album came out in two thousand seven, so I was pretty young. And uh, I remember like seeing on the TV, um, like skeletons playing musical instruments. Mm-hmm. And I remember the mel- the one melody, you know, like bum 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 bum, you know the. Oh yeah. Yeah, and yeah. then I could never find that song ever again, and so it stuck in my head from like as a young age. Mm-hmm. And then um, it was when it was in middle school when Call of Duty Black Ops came out, too Black Ops Two, mm-hmm. and the song Shepherd of Fire was on the Zombie Map Origins. Yeah, and so I listened like this song is awesome, like it's Ben Sevenfold, and so I'm like, yeah. And then I found Hail to the King, and then um, 
I went on to YouTube and found more and had like a little piece of heaven. I'm like, hmm, I'll check this song out. And then I realized it was this. And then I realized it was the song that I, had, you know, video that I had seen when I was young. And I was mm-hmm. like, holy crap! Like this lifelong dream to find this like one music video again. And then, yeah. like, and then I got super like obsessed with like Avenged Sevenfold. Like super, super obsessed. Like listened to all the albums. But like, um, with the White Album was just you know something about it was different because had you know the intro, uh, critical acclaim with the organs and. The yeah. harmonized solo, and then you saw like Afterlife and Almost Easy, and you know, of course, Little Piece of Heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, just really, you know, great songs. And um, I think a big part of it too was on YouTube. I'd watch uh, like the making of the album video, and I right. watched that video religiously, and so it kind of became like one of my favorite albums very fast. So just a lot yeah. of good, just a lot of good memories attached to that album for sure. Yeah, don't hate me too much, but I've never heard a full Avenged Sevenfold album other than Hail to the King. Fair enough, fair enough. It's just, they're definitely not for I mean, everyone. Yeah, they're not exactly my type of metal. Yeah, yeah, they're not, for sure. They're not my cup of tea, ironically, as I drink some tea. But, uh, <laughs> but I like some of their songs. Yeah. I like... Stage. The stage was amazing. Yeah, that whole that, album is that's it's great. It's yeah, that's another story. <laughs> All right. Um. So that's number two. Is the White Album by Event Sevenfold, and mm-hmm. then probably in it's more it's definitely more recent album. It's a uh, it's Departure Songs by We Lost the Sea. Yeah, that's They're, your number uh, one. That is definitely number one, and it's like you know, obviously, like this, like I said before, like this list kind of changes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, it's kind of number one, I guess. You know, I mean, I'm sure I can think of a bunch of different albums. Like, if I had to pick my top oh, album yeah. of all time, my favorite album of all time would be Master of Puppets by Metallica. Oh yeah, so I for guess sure. I guess that should be my number one, but. I mean, number one means a lot of different things to a exactly. lot of different yeah. people at exactly. a lot of different yeah. times. So, yeah. <laughs> it's a moving question with yeah. no wrong answers. So, uh, yeah, so uh, We Lost the Sea. Uh, it's, they're a post-rock band and instrumental. Mm-hmm. They used to be, uh, they used to have lyrics, but uh, their vocalist passed away. Yeah. Um, I don't remember what year it was, but yeah, their vocalist passed away. And so mm-hmm. they kind of they just stayed an instrumental group, and yeah. uh, I don't know, honestly I don't remember where I first heard. I think uh, I had was listening to some like Rabir Massad doing some of his ambient music mm-hmm. that he does on YouTube, and you know I'm like this is pretty good. I like this ambient kind of feel. So I looked up like ambient rock in his post rock. Right. And uh, We Lost the Sea was one of the bands that came up. And so I clicked on it. And um, there's the song, um, A Gallant Gentleman, which is the opener. And mm-hmm. it's about an expedition in Antarctica. Um, and the captain, you know, the crew, they get to the North, they get to the South Pole, I think it is. Or the North Pole. I mean, Antarctica is in yeah, the I South. Know, I know, but... I know. <laughs> I think it's in the. I, I can't remember if it's in, if they go to the north or the south pole. I mean, if it's a journey to Antarctica, it's got to be the South Pole. Well, I know this, but <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if they go to Antarctica or the Arctic. Yeah. Um, but details. Yeah. Details. Details. Um. Yeah. Details. So. <laughs> Anyways, it's about uh, yeah. They go to the one of the poles and they find out that um, they're not the first crew to get there. Now, here it is. Here's the right. story. So yeah, it pays homage to a South Pole expedition. So it was a South Pole, in which they try to yeah. be the first humans in history to reach the point in the world, and they get there and they find out that another team has already done it, and so they go back. And defeated, and the mm-hmm. journey gets kind of, you know, 
botched. They get trapped in the ice and they get like frostbite and gangrene and the captain realizes that he's just a burden at that point. And so he wanders off out of his tent into the middle of the you know, a blizzard and he's never seen again. And mm. and so the whole album's about different losses. Like the next one is about the Chernobyl um, volunteers that went into the tunnels and it's, you know, a diver who drowned trying to save another body and the Challenger shuttle emission. And yeah, yeah it's a pretty, it's, a, it's an album based on loss, but it, it's a really beautiful album because it's with, even without words, the, the music, it's very moving and it, it creates, you can picture these stories in your head and you can like put yourself in like the footprints you know of the people that the songs are about and it hits and uh yeah for me it's definitely a big part and now i'm really into playing like ambient post rock kind of music mhm and so it's definitely a big impact especially in terms of, like my more recent like music endeavors so yeah number 1 is the Partridge songs by we lost the sea yeah I remember reading about it somewhere on Twitter and then you were talking about it too. So I was like, I should check it out. I listened to the first song, but it was like one o'clock in the morning. So by the second time or by the second song, I was already just passed out. But yeah, I don't do that a lot listening to music unless it's super relaxing. Yeah. Which is odd because sometimes some brutal death metal songs I find just super relaxing and I'm just like oh mm-hmm. this is nice yeah me too and then other songs it sounds almost the same and it's like I can't fall asleep listening to this mm-hmm. so um on the topic of like important albums and important stuff like that right now currently like you know as we're sitting talking what would you mm-hmm. say is like your top band right now like, what are you listening to? Like, what is your, like, go-to right now? Uh, sorry, Gojira, but uh, Trivium. Yeah, I'd have to say the same thing. I'd have to agree with that. I, I've been listening to a lot of Trivium. Like, it's, it's actually <laughs> absurd how much I have been. <laughs> like, last night I listened to Rain on repeat over mm. and over and over. Song. And uh, let's see what else. Also, Vengeance Falls. That one morning, I stayed up until like four o'clock, but that's because I took a nap and screwed up my sleep schedule. But I listened to the entirety of Vengeance Falls and Ascendancy that night. So I was like, yeah, I like Trivium a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I remember Yeah. So I have to say the same thing. Trivium is right now they're definitely just one of those bands that's just kicking ass. Mm-hmm. You know, they've released two great albums in a row, you know, The Sin and the Sentence and then what the Dead Men Say. Both are just killer. And it's awesome. You know, and they're definitely one of the bands that I feel like honestly doesn't get a lot of attention. Nah. You know, I like a ton, but um, they get some attention. They're definitely getting more attention with all the stuff that they're doing on Twitch. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, they're just they're just a great band. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. they're doing awesome things. You know, Matt, uh, Alex Bent coming into the band, it just took them to a whole nother level. Yes, because, I wholeheartedly agree. You know, because before they make awesome music but they were always kind of limited by the drummer i'd almost say i mean i don't want to speak for the band but like Mm. as a listener as a listener it's like they're kind of limited by what they could do because of the drummer because they've gone through a lot of drummers and i could be like totally totally sound like an idiot right now but with alex bent it's like if they could think it they could play it with him Oh yeah, there was 1, no there's, there's no limitations on what they can play with him, where there might have been limitations with other drummers. Mm-hmm. And I I remember uh, the GLHF episode where 
Matt interviews Alex Bent and uh, he somewhere along the line, he says something like, yo manager, why didn't you show me this guy earlier? Yeah. And he was like, it's because he was already in a band. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, what was their third most recent album? Um, it was, I pull it up real quick. I have it right here. So it was uh, Silence in the Snow. Silence in the Snow? And Yeah, so Silence in the Snow, then Vengeance Falls. Yeah. So, well, Silence in the Snow was when Matt had really messed up his vocals. So yeah. I don't know if, I don't yeah. know if Alex Bent would have been the drummer to fit very well. On yeah. Silence in the Snow. Yeah, I remember them talking a lot about that because the drummer they had, he like, I think I remember them saying that he was very limited on what he could do. Mm-hmm. And he was so between a drummer that was kind of limited and Matt's vocals being limited, they were kind of kind of stuck. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I like Silence in the Snow. Yeah. I've I've liked the songs I've heard from it so far. Yeah, it's but... a good album. But yeah, like this you could definitely hear it. It's yeah. definitely a softer album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think the Not first bad thing. I think the first Trivium song I heard was "Silence in the Snow." Yeah. And then uh, my first was uh, "Strife" from Vengeance Falls because uh, I had gotten a Guitar World magazine and I was like, "Trivium." That's and I saw them and I was like oh they're probably just some weird little metalcore band but I listened to Strife and I was like this is a really good song I'm gonna learn it so I tried learning it and quickly realized as like a two year guitar player I was like no this this ain't it chief I can't do this (laughs) yeah so kind of put Trivium on the back burner for a while and then like, I think in high school when everyone, or not high school, college when all I heard was Twitch this, Twitch that. And I was like, oh, hey, Matt Heafy, the lead singer of Trivium is on Twitch. So I followed him on Twitch and mm-hmm. uh, listened to like a few songs of theirs. Yeah. From being in the sentence. It was, uh, no, I guess, I guess the stuff I heard from Sin in the sentence was when I was a senior mm-hmm. in high school. Yeah, oh, it was uh, it's 2017. So, yeah, October. So I I was in college by then, but uh, <clears throat> heard more stuff off of the sin in the sentence. So I was like, hmm. So I listened to a few of those songs, <laughs> and then put them on the back burner again. And then, yeah, like, yeah. Honestly, I'm the same way. I kind of during. I kinda... During the whole uh, quarantine and stuff, I heard they were coming out with some new stuff. I was like, ooh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. I kept kind of putting them on the back burner. And it's kind of one of those things looking back, it's like, you shouldn't have done that. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, so I listened to like, Silence in the Snow and some of the stuff over there. And then I stopped. And then um, I was actually like on. Re- I was watching like reaction videos on YouTube. Yes, and this, uh, this one YouTuber, he's doing it, and he, I'm like, you know, I'll watch this, you know, might be worth watching. And it was the music video for the sin in the sentence, and I'm like, holy shit! Mm-hmm. I'm like, this is great. And then you know, then the album came out, and I was blown away. I'm like, yeah. this is like, this is great metal music. I'm like, this is awesome. The Heart From Your Hate was the first single, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, the whole album's great. And then when I and then I just got really into them, you know, hardcore mm-hmm. listening to all their stuff. And then, yeah, a couple months ago with What the Dead Men Say, which is, that album is, whew. Oh, the first single was The Sin and the Sentence, and mm-hmm. then the second one was The Heart From Your Hate. Dope. Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh. Trivium, great band. Yeah, great band. <laughs> Check them out. Um, yes. So let's see, what's one thing? Um, your favorite musical moment. 
in like kind of just in general like like as a musician um sure or... a, I guess you can or like do you want to do like with the with just listening to music <clears throat> like your favorite part in an album of a song that every time you hear it you oh. just go fuck yeah like oh you already know the answer to this the epic breakdown section in Backbone by Gojira. Yeah. yeah. Where it's just the tremolo picking of the octaves and it just sounds like a dragon growling and it just, oh man, that is just so heavy. Just yeah. gets me that's, going that's every such, time. That's such an epic breakdown. Oh yeah. Love that. Um, that and... uh the outro to global warming that that always makes me cry no matter what yeah that's that's I'll always say that and i will cry every time i listen to that um for me i'd have to say oh that's such a hard one now that now it's my turn to answer <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's pretty difficult it is pretty difficult I mean, it wasn't difficult for me, but it was just like, what gets me going every fucking time? <laughs> I, I guess one thing I'd get that's, that gets me going every time is um, the um, probably the Ace is High intro. Yeah, you know the this builds, and that's it's really great. It's it's a build. Steve up. Harris hitting the chords on the bass. Mm-hmm. That's my little brother's favorite thing on the bass is playing that song. Just boom. Yeah, definitely that. And seeing them live twice when they, you know they have opened up with that song once, and they had like the mm-hmm. Winston Churchill intro, and it's just you know the energy. So just hearing that, and even like on the like the recorded version, it's just an awesome musical moment because like you hear it and it's like yeah. Like this is gonna be some good shit, and then probably um probably another Iron Maiden moment is the um the the middle section of Power Slave. Yeah, where it's like really slow, and uh, I can't remember which guitarist. So I think it's uh, Adrian Smith on the melodic solo there. Yeah, that the whole and then it kicks slave. into his yeah. Solo. And then, like uh, that one part later, where Steve is on the bass, you know, bum, 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 bum. The whole yeah. song is that's a good uh, one of those musical moments that just makes me go, yeah, like, this is epic. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I definitely remember the where it goes from the slower paced part to the faster paced part. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, that, gets me every time. I haven't listened to Iron Maiden in a criminally long time. Someone arrest me, please. But, uh... Frick. Um... <laughs> yeah. I really like that song. I learned it on guitar a while ago, but, uh... I haven't played guitar in a few weeks, so... <laughs> Alright. Um, so, we're almost at an hour. Do you want to like, wrap it up for this episode? Yeah, I think we've talked about quite a lot. All right. Um, let's see. I guess we can end with a ending question. Let me think of one real quick. Um, okay, yeah. Um, what has been your favorite of all the concerts you've been to? Um, what has been your favorite moment at a concert? My favorite moment at a concert? Oh, boy. I can barely remember concerts. I just remember how I feel at them. <laughs> <laughs> I remember how I feel at them um, and how I feel after them because my body hurts. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wholeheartedly agree. Um, Sheesh. Hmm. I haven't even been to that many concerts. Why is this so hard? Um... <laughs> Man, I'm not even going to the Metallica one this Saturday. Shake my fucking head. But, um... Hmm. You know, I've probably just got to say when Joe Duplantier asks if everyone is drinking enough beer, and then he says, this next one is called Back Fucking Bone. 
and I say it perfectly in sync with him. And the two dudes next to us were just like, holy shit. And I just go, ham. Yeah. That's probably my part. That was a great anything. moment. <laughs> um, for me, I've been to a few concerts. <laughs> I've been to way, I've mm-hmm. been to considerably more than you have. Um, yes. Gosh, I've been to you know, a lot of crazy moments. Um, I'd say probably for me, it's got to be um, when we saw Metallica, when you and I went and saw Metallica. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, we, we both, you know, growing up as friends, listened to Metallica a lot together. So that was, like, definitely one band that we, like, loved deeply together. Mm-hmm. And so seeing them come out on the stage, you know, was super awesome. Like, when they came out, and I'm like, holy crap, I'm seeing them in person. This is awesome. And, like, uh, definitely when they did, uh, you know, when you get to the die part of Creeping Death. Yeah, being, being that, able, that being able to do that in real life, you know, at, 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 at a concert, it's just it's awesome. So yeah, definitely yeah. My, one of my favorite moments at a concert. So yeah, all right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this episode. Yeah, we'd like to thank everybody for listening, and we'll be back. Um, I'm not sure when. Maybe next week. I don't know. Yeah. So um, this is Diego. Thank you for listening. Keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for uh, announcements in the near future. Yes. All right. So this has been Diego. And I've been Gage. <laughs> and we will see y'all next time. Bye. Bye. Good shit. <laughs> <laughs>